Welcome to the Mind Your Body Podcast, episode number 13. This is your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to former physiotherapist turned tech startup entrepreneur, Bryce Fink. So if you want to know more about using virtual reality and smart technology to learn new skills, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the show. My name is Jacob Andre. This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. And today I'd like to welcome to the show physiotherapist Bryce Fink. So Bryce, how are you today? Um, good, thanks, Jacob. I'm back in the country for a for a week, so I'm enjoying the cold spring Melbourne weather. <laughs> it is pretty cold in Melbourne at the moment, isn't it? So we've just had the AFL Grand Final. I know that the temperature was between 9 and 16 degrees for the day. Did you get a chance to watch it while you're in Melbourne? I did. It's been. I didn't actually go to the game. I'm a Maggie supporter, so it was. Uh, I didn't really want to put myself into the Richmond Adelaide cauldron. But I, you know, one of the nice things with being home is seeing mum and dad and and pa and watching on telly. So Richmond, the pressure was just incredible. They just didn't allow Adelaide to do what they've done all season. So it was really good to see. Well, as a Richmond supporter, I could quite easily turn this interview into a whole hour about Richmond and uh, how good I think they are, but. They have just been unbelievable this year. The way they've changed and gone from 13th place to now premiers is incredible. It's amazing, you know, and, and it's testament to the club, you know, for a club that was on its knees, you know, in the early 90s to getting to a point where they got, what, 80,000 members now? Is that what they were saying? Um, I thought it was about 70,000. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty certain that they're the second biggest club in Australia behind Collingwood. Well, you know, not not everyone can be perfect like the pies. <laughs> <laughs> you could be right. It could be eighty thousand. I know that. I know it's pretty massive, and certainly after winning a premiership um, after thirty seven years, then that's going to have a massive impact on their membership numbers. Oh, it's huge, and and it's good to see. You know, like I think the heartland of footy is obviously still Victoria, and even though it's a national game, I think having a strong presence of those clubs. You know, Bulldogs last year, Richmond this year. Is, uh, is important to keep the game growing. I heard an interview during the week leading up to the game with Peggy O'Neill, who is the Tigers' president, and she, uh, she was asked by David King on Fox Footy how much it meant to the club financially, and she said it was worth about $3 million just in, you know, like um, apparel and this, that sort of stuff that they're going to sell, you know, like Premier's 2017 and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's amazing money. It's big money, you know, and I think that's the part that people sort of don't don't realise that for a club, especially, you know, they're still a bootstrapping club, you know, footy clubs even at that level with the sponsors they've got, their running costs are a lot higher, so they need that money to keep the day-to-day uh, operations of the club going. Mm, yeah. So you mentioned that you've come back to Melbourne for a week. Where have you come from? So I've been over in Seattle for the last five Five months. I went over there in April, uh, actually, to run the Boston Marathon that I qualified for for my 30th birthday, and I started uh, doing some consulting um, internship work at a company called Eco Smart Technology Company in the States. Yeah. So 
it's uh, it's been a, a nice journey, a bit of a change from uh, working in my clinical life for the last eight years throughout Australia. But it's been uh, incredible to see where the disruption of both the coaching and the healthcare industry is going, and a tech hub like Seattle, where you know Amazon owns forty percent of the CBD, is absolutely incredible uh, to see the changes that's happening over there. Seattle is a place that, as I said to you just before we started um, recording, I would absolutely love to live in the States. I love the country. I, there's, I don't know what it is. I went there as a kid at 11 years old. We went to Disneyland and we saw a lot of stuff on the West Coast, um, you know, typically between um, San Francisco and Tijuana. And I've just been in love with the, the country ever since and been wanting to go back. Uh, I've been back two more times since then. And uh, I'd love to live over there. What's it like living? Seattle is one place I actually would really love um, to choose to live if I was going to go there. What's it like living there? Seattle's amazing. It's funny. My journey that took me over over to Seattle, and, and I believe a lot in personal personal journey, personal legends. The Alchemist is one of my favourite books. And I was over there in 2013 on a trip with two of my mates before one of them got married. And Seattle, we were there for five days in the middle of summer. And I remember hopping off the plane and getting a lift into the middle of the city into this suburb called Capitol Hill. And you can see Mount Rainier, which is the largest mountain in sort of the 48 states, not including Alaska and Hawaii. And middle of summer, it was snow-capped and there were running trails all around and it's right on the water and it just had a really, really good vibe to it. And we got, you know, for as everything as people say about the Seattle weather with being rainy and dreary, we literally got five days of, of 28 to 32 degrees Celsius weather, no humidity. And at that point, I'm like, I want to live here at some point in my life. Um, I'd lived in the States beforehand in 2010, 2011 out of university in Los Angeles. And so the States have always had something in my heart. But yeah, Seattle just brought me back and living there has just completely lived up to my expectations. It's one of those cities that because of that tech boom that's going forwards, it's very, very progressive and you can see the changes within the city on a daily basis. So yeah, for a for an enviro runner slash techie like myself, it's uh it's pretty amazing. Man, you've just pretty much described me too, and I'm sold. Done. This interview's over. I'm moving to Seattle sometime <laughs> at the start of next year. I'll sign you some nice property. The, uh, the property <laughs> prices over there are similar to Darwin. They've just sort of jumped through the roof in the last five, ten years. Yeah, well, my partner, Holly, her uh, auntie lives over in Idaho, and the, the place where it is, it's like literally the snow on the sides of the roads after it's been scraped in the mornings is waist height, and it's just paddocks you know like if there's an empty block of land and it is pretty rural it's potato farming land so uh if there's any paddocks around they're just absolutely chock-a-block full of um ice which is is half the size of your body uh high and it's just it's so good and she she personally is into all that sort of stuff and she will she's a seamstress and she moved over there and found that that whole area you know around idaho washington state montana was the best for sort of skiing and that sort of thing and she reckons she's got the perfect spot for powder but she's a seamstress and so she makes and does alterations on wedding dresses and she if the snow's good in the the morning she'll go out and ski and then come home and work in the afternoon and if it's not good in the morning she'll work she'll do her sewing in the morning and go out uh, cross-country skiing in the afternoon just sounds like the life for me 
yeah, it's a it's a lifestyle decision. You know, it's one of those things. I think as we as we go forward, and you know, what technology has allowed us to do, even in areas like ours in coaching and therapy, that it actually gives us a a way to live in areas that we want to and where we enjoy our hobbies. And if we look at that work-life balance, you know, it's beautiful. As long as you're getting what you need to get done during the day and you set those goals to be able to move yourself or your company forwards, I think it's it's been what's opened up the world a lot when it comes to occupation and uh, hopefully it keeps moving on that way going forwards. Yeah, I think it will. I can't imagine that it wouldn't. It's um, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable the way that the world has just opened up. And it seems to be, is it just because it's our age in our sort of early 30s that we're, you know, I don't know, is it just something that's new? Has it happened pretty recently in the last five to ten years? I think the biggest thing with it is our, and I was reading something really interesting about this the other day, is our generation is literally the last one that can remember pre-internet. You know, you think of us when we we're in when we we're in school in Darwin going through. You know, I remember at Howard Springs. I reckon we would have got computers year three, year four um, that had the old "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego" <laughs> yes. on there. And you know, I reckon it would have been year eight in Darwin High when I first got internet. And so, what it was talking about was, you know, our generation. We can still respect the fact that, you know, you need to have a life outside of technology and have those other things going on, and we're not binded by it yet we see the power that it holds. And so it, where the holdover, it's interesting, where that holdover generation between Gen X and, um, you know, Gen Z coming through now. So that was just really fascinating to see. And I think because we know we have that hard work ethic that we do as millennials um, and we want to forge and make things happen, I think that's why we've driven that uh, lifestyle-based work vision forwards over the last five years. Well, there's a guy who I talk about a lot, and you may have heard of him. He lives in Southern California in a place called Laguna Beach. His name's James Wedmore, and he uh, is the YouTube marketing guy. So the most recent time I went over to the States was to one of his workshops, and you know it was cool to hang out with him. We went out surfing together and hung out and worked in his office, you know, and it was unbelievable. This bloke has got like 80,000-plus subscribers on YouTube, and a massive following online and when he was in high school he was always in trouble be, you know because it, from his school counselors and that because he didn't know what he wanted to do and they kept saying you know you need to find something blah 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 and he just said he didn't know what it was he wanted to do he certainly knew what he didn't want to do and he said but now because of the way technology has evolved the internet or youtube didn't even exist when he was in high school he's the same age as us and when he left university, or when he left high school, he went on to university to do film school because he was interested in um, in sort of creating videos. He then sort of, he, he, while he was going through university, through his film school, he was doing bartending and he thought, there's a, better, there's a way I can make more money off the internet than just doing this. If I teach people how to mix cocktails and stuff or how to host a good um, party from behind the bar then surely I can make more money online. So he started, he created this um, book and then he made his first sale, I think, in 2008 and uh, then went on to then start creating um, online courses. So he's got all these online videos of how to mix drinks and, and all this, how to be a, a bartender. And then from there, 
it just took off and then people started asking him how he was doing it. So then he started making videos for people and then he's got into consulting in terms of how to run people's, how to how for business people to run their YouTube accounts. And now he's actually in online business and teaching people through what I think is his um, premier program called Business by Design, which is all about creating an online business that fits into your lifestyle. So essentially what Lewis Howes terms as the lifestyle entrepreneur, who those two actually did a little bit of business together uh, on, I think, James' first real big product, which he um, which sort of took him off um, and got him really started. But the reason why I say that is because the way technology is evolving, he didn't, YouTube didn't even exist. So how did he know what it was that was going to, he was going to get into later in life? So, you know, it goes back to that old saying, which is not really that old, but it's seeming old now, that we're preparing kids in school for a future which, you know, we don't even know exists yet. Yeah, how do you, how do you plan, how do you plan, how do you worry for something that hasn't occurred? You know, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what next week will bring. So that's why it's always interesting. And you probably notice the same thing when you coach kids. When I was in clinical life, you know, I would love working with 14 to 17-year-olds and listen to them speak about school. And when you say, you know, have you thought about what you want to do when you get older? And I know that was one of the biggest things that was pushed on us. You know, you have to you have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. You know, you've got to go to uni and do this. And, you know, the thing is, you know, people go through, five, I think, five different jobs on their on, through their life nowadays. So, you know, why do we push that on kids, you know, to have to do that? And I think that's where you know, revolutionising and two of the biggest things I always look at is revolutionising the education and the healthcare system that are areas that are very, very archaic, even though technology has moved forward a lot of other areas. And it's mainly because they're the areas where there's a lot of control through big business and government. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, scenario. And I think we've, we've got to open, you know, our kids minds up to that that there's so many opportunities for them that haven't even been created yet that they could be in so yeah i completely agree with that that i think foresight is the most important thing going forwards so talking about that you said you went over and lived in los angeles for right after you finished university what was that for uh so it's funny i i've always liked to keep a pretty solid left brain right brain uh, situation going. So I actually went over there to acting school, um, acting and hosting school. Out of uh, out of high school, you'd, you'd probably know Miranda Tapsell, who's you know one of our best actresses and one of Australia's best actresses. So we did a lot of acting together through year 12. And at that point, I wanted to go down the line of having a stable job, stable career, and then maybe going into acting. And which is why it's been amazing sort of seeing her and people like her that, you know, follow their dreams straight out of high school and have that um, spunk to do that. So when I finished uni, I had, you know, obviously graduated by 21, took my job in northern New South Wales in this beautiful beachside town called Yamba and loved it. But I always knew that I would regret if I didn't chase that idea of me still wanting to act. So... In the space of about 12 months, I saved up 30 grand, uh, got myself a, a J1, which is a student visa, and enrolled in an acting school in Sherman Oaks, which is in the Valley in Los Angeles, and uh, lived there for 12 months and had an absolute ball and did a lot of things that 
you know, the light, you know, when you hear about LA lifestyle, it sort of opens your eyes up to a lot of that, a lot of the good, a lot of the bad. And, but it allowed me to be able to come back to Australia, realize that I missed being in therapy, missed being in helping people, that I would never have to regret not doing it. There wouldn't be a day in my life where I would say, I wish I did that. And that's sort of a motto that I've always uh, encapsulated with, you know, myself. And again, it's why it's sort of brought me to the point where I am now living and uh, working in the States. So, yeah, it was definitely a different part of my life, uh, but one that I truly um, am appreciative of because it, yeah, in terms of the on-screen stuff, on camera work and voice work, it's helped me going forwards as I've progressed my career. Oh, and those skills, regardless of whether you continue and pursue acting, are so incredibly valuable. They're huge. They're absolutely huge. And, you know, even you know, as we're coming into a more tech-based, data-based medium when it comes to getting our ideas across, it's something that I will always have that there. So something I always recommend, again, to people that even if they are in our space, you know, that you still keep your creativity because I think you can't keep balance unless you keep those two things alive. Uh, with how busy that we get and how time poor we can get, you still got to make time for those things that you love doing because it helps in all areas of your life. I just want to take you back to something and that you touched on, and you breezed over it very quickly. But I certainly picked it up, and I reckon a lot of the listeners will have. How on earth did you save thirty thousand dollars in twelve months? Uh, so it's one of those things it's interesting i'm reading a book called the barefoot investor at the moment and it's funny how a lot of the things that he talks about with daily expenses and putting money away a percentage of your wage away depending on what you earn and being able to clear debt i was lucky out of university that i didn't have any debt um that my university was obviously through hex and i had my car that had been paid for so because i had that strong mindset that I wanted to do acting, that I got a side hustle um, while I was there as well. Um, Started setting up doing what turned into my company called Golf Handicap Therapist, where I was doing golf-specific screenings for people um, looking at body mechanics and reducing injuries and just setting aside that money each week and not skimping on my normal lifestyle. You know, I'm not a – I've never been a massive drinker even though some of my mates from college might attest to things <laughs> differently. Um, but being able to have that goal, break that goal down into monthly goals and then into weekly goals and how much uh, you know return on interest you need to have to be able to get that was the main things that got me there. And just having that bucket of money and you know on a monthly basis, seeing it increase you know, is one of the best things that I think you can get because it shows achievement. So that was... I was steadfast that I was going to make that money because I knew what I needed to live on. And even that 30 grand that I had wasn't enough to live on uh, for as long as I needed to be there for. So it was, yeah, it was being steadfast. It was sticking to my goals and making sure that I had different pockets of money, that I still did the things that I enjoyed doing but was smart about the decisions that I made. Ross, you've opened up so many little gold nuggets of information here that we could follow, but I want to stick with this money just for a moment because it it's so funny. Like I believe the universe provides whatever it is, wherever your energy goes. Well, I can't even remember the saying. Um, 
where what is it where energy goes success flows or something have you heard mm-hmm. that one i yeah i have it's uh continue i'll, I'll go on afterwards <laughs> continue but the reason why i say that is because my goal for this year was to actually save thirty thousand dollars to go over to the states at the end of the year um, to have a white <laughs> christmas and um i i my accountability partner is a mutual friend of ours called Lewis Risa, and he's also a physio and he's going to be on the podcast in the next few weeks. But uh, one of the things that I've done is c- create two accounts. One is called, I call it my nanny fund, because my grandmother always said to me, you need to have a lump sum of money, sort of like a float uh, for emergencies. And yep. um, that for me was, the number I wanted in that was $10,000. And then yep. I was talking to Lewis throughout this year and he said, Jacob, you just need to really focus on this um, money goal that you've got at the moment because you're talking about all these different things. But at the end of the day, the money thing is what it is all coming back to you, um, back to you about. And so he said to me, "Look, why don't you create a, a mojo fund?" And I don't want to take the words out of Lewis's mouth in a future interview, but um, he has this mojo fund, and he said it just makes you feel good. It gives you the um, power to be able to make decisions. So when opportunities arise, you are not constricted by anything financial. And so what I've been doing now is putting money into both those accounts, what I call my nanny fund and my mojo account, um, or I could call it my, um, you know, my Lewis account as well if I wanted to. But I'm I putting... Think you should definitely call it the Lewis account. <laughs> <laughs> the Lewis account and the, and the nanny account. But um, I'm putting away 10% every single time I make money. And it's funny because... I didn't realize I was making money from so many different little pockets of areas. I thought it was just sort of my NTIS work, the Institute of Sport work, and then some personal training and this and that. But every single time any money comes in from anywhere, then 10% goes into the Lewis account and 10% goes into the nanny fund. And it's incredible how fast, that's 20% out of your pay each, each time you get paid, but it's incredible how fast it's growing. It's amazing, it's, and it's interesting. You, uh, he calls it the Mojo account. So when you do talk to Lewis, talk to him about the Barefoot Investor because he's definitely that's definitely I'd say the book he's read when it comes to that Mojo when it comes to that Mojo account. Yeah, and it makes a huge difference, you know. And again, as you said, it makes you feel good when you can see that you're succeeding at something. You're more likely to continue on with it. It's about habits. You know, when you're able to put your brain on autopilot and have it automatically happen, it makes it a lot easier, a lot simpler, and you're less likely to siphon away funds that you actually don't need to. And I, I commend you being able to have, you know, as you do, a young family and being able to do that. That's uh, that's incredible. Well, trust me, it's tough. It's not easy, and especially it's school holidays this week. So. Um, I'm, you know, I've got the week off and I'm just taking it easy and we're doing an actual water park holiday. So we're going to a different water park every day and, and doing stuff, but it still costs money to, you know, cause you'll end up going and buying a coffee or, you know, yeah. you'll buy some food or whatever it might be. Um, but earlier in the year I was lecturing and I was making pretty good money. And my issue was that I was actually putting, I was trying to save too much and, I was getting, it was becoming very difficult and, um, and I actually wasn't getting anywhere with my goal. So I, um, yeah, Lewis said to me, Jacob, just, it doesn't matter. It's all about the actual behavior. So just, even if it's just a dollar, you just need to put something away on a consistent basis. 
He's a wise man. He's definitely a wise man. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing your guys chat. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> so, Bryce, why was it that you actually moved to the US? Was it for a girl? Was it that you loved the American culture, or was it for this whole business side of things? It was. It was definitely primarily for the business side of things. Um, as I was saying before, because I'm working in tech now, technically I could work from Australia, but. I was heading over to the States for the marathon as it was. And for the last year and a half, I'd been working on an idea utilizing thermal imaging uh, for some medical investigation. And last year at the World Golf Fitness Summit, which is a Titleist, which is a golf brand, uh, they, hold, they have the biggest uh, medical rehab and golf training institute in the world. And it's something every two years that, that I go along to because I'm involved with their my TPI. And on the last day of discussions, a guy by the name of Sean Hutchison spoke up on stage. He was the the midday speaker. We'd had our formal the night before, so a lot of people were dusty and hadn't been there. And I'm very, very glad I, I went to this the next morning. I hadn't drank that night, and so I was up early. And Sean came in, and he was the ex-US swimming coach. And... You know, I was like, oh, why have they got a swimming coach speaking at the golf seminar? And the one thing my TPI are great at is they get speakers from all across sports. You know, we had Dick Vermeil talk to us two years beforehand, who was a big NFL guy. And so Sean started, got up on stage, very, very engaging, and started speaking about the disruption of technology in coaching. And I was fixated for an hour, and he was he was telling us about his company and how they utilize virtual reality to be able to improve the efficiency of people's activity. Um, firstly, in swimming, where he was, you know, he would he was coach of, you know, Michael Phelps and, and Ryan Lochte and to golf. And then they were moving into their new project now called Ecos. And I was listening, listening, listening. And I'm like, this is a guy that I need to talk to um, because I'd wondered who to ask about the idea that I'd had. So I had a couple of discussions with Sean over that day and, you know, spoke to me about Melbourne and his times when he was in Geelong at a, at a swimming meet over here with the U.S. Um, World Championship team. And I said to him, I said, hey, Sean, I've got an idea that I'd love to run by you. And he's like, sure, Bryce, you know, come and sit down. And pretty much long story short, he liked where my head was at. And over the next five months, I got my hustle on to – be able to get myself in a position where I shut down my work. Uh, I shut. I quit my job at Territory Sports Medicine, which was an amazing, amazing job at, that I believe the best physiotherapy clinic in in Darwin. And moved over, moved overseas for a non-paying for non-paying consultancy work to be able to help the company get to the next level because it was a passion that I believed in and. Yeah, it was obviously the work thing, but the idea of being involved in a startup and being able to create something from, you know, from the ground up and to be able to actually change the healthcare industry is something that you don't get a chance to do very often. So for me, the risk was not going over there and doing it. So business and the job was definitely the main part that took me over with the lifestyle of living in the States and living in a place in Seattle where the company was based and that four years earlier I'd said I'd live there at some point was a huge component of it. And now one of the things 
that makes me want to stay and obviously the work is I love the work and I'm blessed to be able to you know help this company move forward and that's and but I've been able to find a very like-minded girl over there and yeah it's uh the way everything's come together on going over there for something that you believe in passionately has been a really really nice outcome Oh, congratulations. How long have you been over there for this most recent time? This time? So I've been over there for since April the April the 10th I went over there. So I spoke to Sean and when we were sorting out what I'd do in terms of work over there or in terms of being able to assist, I knew I was running the marathon. So I said to him, I said, look, I want to run the marathon. It's my bucket list thing that I've had done for two years. I had to qualify for it. Um, I want to travel with my family and friends who we had about 30 that came to Boston from Darwin, from Perth, uh, from Victoria, from all over the States to come and watch. And I said to him, I said, if I can start the start of May, then I will sort it out. And, you know, I just had to then start researching visas, appropriate visas that I could go over there on, um, contingency plans for moving forward with the company. And as I got through the probation period that I was doing, you know, being able to see how I could get permanent work over there. And yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a build up on there. So May the 1st was officially was my, was my start date over there. So what did you do for income then if you weren't being paid during this phase? So I, as I did when I went over to acting school, I went, I knew for the last four or five months that I had to have enough to sustain me for a certain period of time. So I sold everything or sold things that I didn't need. I saved up. I stopped. Well, I wasn't drinking because I had the marathon going on. So pretty much all of my money that I was getting from sports med, I put into my my, uh, Mojo slash Lewis account. (laughs) And uh, and just knew what I needed. And then once I got to Seattle, it's being able to make smart choices with my money and knowing, and I was lucky enough that uh, that I was looked after with accommodation over there so I didn't have to worry about that, which is one of the, obviously the biggest uh, costs that you can get. And it's just knowing that if you believe in something strong enough that financially you need to make things happen and you need to be smart with the decisions you make and so that's what's allowed me to stay for the period of time that I have um, and which has led me to where I am now. So what what is this ECOS ECOS stand for something? So ECOS was the god of it does so Sean started the company in 2013 he was using our visualization techniques when he was the the US head coach and what we are in is smart technology. So we look at the neural learning loop, being able to utilize binary beats, visualization, um, smart wearable clothing to be able to give users more feedback on their, on their teaching. So it opens up a freedom of learning. So if you're a coach in Darwin or I'm a coach in Seattle, then I can teach someone from anywhere in the world. Um, being able to improve the efficiency of skills. So Eco Swimming Pro was our first iteration of the product. That was where we went live in 2013. We moved into and we were successful in swimming. We involved with D1 schools, obviously Olympic athletes, um, all the way down to club swimmers. Uh, We as a company, or Sean, wanted to be able to see if the skills, so our technology was transferable. 
over to the other sports. So we started a app called Copy Me Golf, which was exactly the same idea. So utilizing uh, video learning and virtual reality plus binary beats to improve the efficiency of a golf swing. And that won the Golf Training Aid 2016 with Golf Digest and one of the best training aids at the PGA show in 2017. So being able to see that it was transferable, the skills are transferable, the technology was transferable, it moved us to our iteration that we've got now, which is Eco slash Copy Me, which is an app you can find for free online where you can learn. You as a coach can put content up there where people can learn from you. Um, or if you're a user, you can learn any skill that you wish from that, all the way from baseball to MMA to golf, swimming, um, rehabilitation, uh, manual handling, gymnastics. It's sort of we want to be the marketplace for skilled learning. And we know, it's, you know, we we're doing research the other day, and one out of every two coaches now will go on YouTube or users will go on YouTube to find out the correct way to do certain things. In extreme sports, it's up to something like 60% because obviously kids moving forwards, that's where they learn. So we just want to make that video modeling way of teaching more efficient and more effective. So what is this smart technology? You mentioned um, clothing and stuff like that. Is is there goggles that you put on for the virtual reality or what is it? so for the virtual reality, utilizing the goggles is enhances the experience. You can do it in what we call standard mode, which is where you don't have the VR. But one of the biggest things that we found is when you put your phone into a VR device, it takes away all other distractions that are away from you. So you say as if you're going to perform something like a squat, what we do is we break down the squat into lessons. And what the user does is watches that video on loop 30 times with the binary beats in to be able to utilize a neural frequency to increase their concentration. And what they then do is they take the goggles off and perform that movement in slow motion in what we call blackout phase. So we take away vision because we realize how strong vision is with performing a skill. And if you take away vision, what the person has to do is do the movement of what they just saw on the video. So the VR definitely enhances the whole experience, but if someone doesn't have a VR device or we found with a lot of the work we've done with autistic children um, that they don't like the feeling of the VR on their face, that being able to put something over there, so like a towel or put them in a room which is a little bit quieter, um, can still get great results. And the nice thing we've seen is over our history in the last, you know, since 2013 is We've seen people with cerebral palsy walk better again. We've improved the reaching patterns of people with strokes. The reason I came across to the company was to work in the rehabilitation side, so being able to improve uh, people's uh, outcomes after hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder replacements, shoulder surgery, and being able to give a visual library for people to be able to learn skills when maybe they don't have to go to the clinic or... Um, in person because we know a lot of the reason why a lot of people stop their rehabilitation if we talk purely on a rehabilitation side is they don't have pain anymore and so they think oh well I'm fine I don't need to do this anymore and the cost is what stops them from coming back so if they've got a product that they can utilize in their own home that they know they're getting great advice and they can progress and keep their 
uh, rehabilitation going to the point where they should. So with ACL, we know they should be doing their rehab for 12 months after their ACL, at least after their ACL surgery. So it gives them an opportunity to have a effective program there where they can do it in the comfort of their own home and still get the uh, outcomes that they need. So in so November the 7th, what we have coming out through Kickstarter and then we're launching in January is what we call our um, smart wearable clothing. So, you know, uh, in a biomechanics lab, when you put the EMG markers on and you can see the body trace um, up on the screen or up on the computer. Yeah. So what we've created is a personal shirt that does exactly the same thing for personal use. So if you're wearing that shirt, what you can do, and we're looking at coming in at the market um, at a very reasonable price because we realise that if we make this really expensive, then it's going to be a science experiment. So we're bringing it out at the cost of what you'd buy a Nike jacket for now. And if you're wearing that shirt, what you can do is mimic your movement compared to the movements on the app. So if you want to say, serve a volleyball or hit a golf, say, we'll use an example of golf. So if you want to swing like Adam Scott, what you can do is by wearing this shirt, you can see exactly where you are faulty or where you aren't as efficient as where Adam is. And then the app tells you what modules you need to do to be able to improve your movement. Wow. I don't even know how to go on. This is freaking me out. And this is amazing. One of the things that I spend most of my time doing or one of the things I'm probably most known for is not like when I do personal training stuff or coaching or whatever it might be it's not oh people say oh help me lose weight or help me get fitter for footy or whatever it might be but it all comes down to improving their motor patterns it's all essentially I say I'm not here to train as much your cardiovascular or your muscular system as what I am your neural system and the the six just say the six foundation moves of squatting, lunging, pushing, pulling, bending, and bracing, uh, and bracing is essentially fundamental to the other five. But that that's where I spend so much of my time trying to get people to learn how to move efficiently. Because the way I see it is, if you don't move efficiently from a foundational level, then all you're doing is <laughs> all you're doing is going to keep your pockets full of the physios. Um, yep. I completely agree. And it was one of the things that as I went further on in clinical life is I'm very much of the case that I like to empower people. And it's where I don't like people coming back to me because they don't have the knowledge or because they don't feel like they can do it themselves. And I believe, you know, when you're talking about those fun- those foundational movements, which are vital, is the reason why a lot of people will either stop, or I believe the reason why a lot of people stop them or won't continue going with them is they will go, oh, Bryce, I'm not sure if I'm doing this properly. So for me to be able to, you know, and, you know, you can use things like pain and function to be able to illustrate to them that, no, you are, you're doing it well, you can see your movement patterns are improving, but the biggest thing people are missing is the objective data, is the objective to be able to show, oh, I've improved this much or I can do this many more without getting pain. So the thing that I'm finding that I'm so excited about when this product goes to market is you may be – so say as if you're doing something like a lunge, um, is that you're going to be able to see after you do the movement patterning on the app that your lunge has improved 15 – like your hip – extension may improve 10 degrees so we're looking at a pants version of this coming out 
uh, in third, fourth quarter next year is you'll actually be able to see objective data at that time of how much you've improved by doing it correctly. So you'll be able to say to someone, okay, I want you to do the squat module, I want you to do the lunge module um, pre and post. Um, I want you to wear the shirt when you do, or wear the pants when you're doing it. And you're going, they're going to be able to send you on the app that video of them doing it. And you can say, okay, I can see that you're now five degrees off optimal. What I want you to do that, to do that, uh, to rectify that is A, B or C. So they, so this is something that they could do with a personal trainer. Yep. hundred percent. So the, the, so one of the capacities we have in the app as it is at the moment, the Ecos app is you, me as a user, I can send you video of myself doing a certain module and you get that, you get a push notification telling you that you've got a video there waiting from one of your clients and you can send a video back straight away of what they could do. Oh man. I have seriously lost words. This is incredible. I cannot believe we just only spoke about how technology is moving so fast and how for our James Wedmore example, not knowing what he wanted to do in school, and here he is as a multimillionaire selling online courses and now teaching people how to create their own online businesses. You've got this technology which is wearable and it's teaching people how to move more efficiently fundamentally but also in their sport-specific skills. I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And one of, the, one of the biggest things that, you know, when you talk about leaps of faith and, and why you make revolutionary decisions is to really change how things are done. And the only way that you can change how things are done is to obviously have foresight and to know how the technology can help you do that. And just having a go and just being able – and there's a lot of stuff we've had to throw at the wall and that may not have stuck completely, but we're so comfortable and happy with where this is going now and it's going to empower. So if you have someone and it gives freedom to the coach but also to the user because say my clients that I had to leave in Darwin and I obviously can't do everything by, you know, by computer, by you know, virtually, you know, there are some things someone will need to go and get soft tissue releases or a manip. But if someone still wants to see me and get advice off me, even though I live in Seattle, it can happen. If you have clients that are in Darwin and they move to Melbourne or move to Sydney, you can still train them from where you live. And it means that you can go on holidays for somewhere for three months. And like, say you go to the States and you can teach your people from Darwin from where you are. So, because you know, one of the biggest things that I always found difficult with leaving the two jobs, and I've only I've been lucky to have two great workplaces at Yamba Physiotherapy and Territory Sports Med, is I hated leaving the people. I hated leaving the people that put their trust in me um, because that's really hard to build that rapport. And being able to create a product that now allows them to stay in touch where financially it's still viable for myself but it actually saves the person money as well is, uh, yeah, it's one of the things that I'm really proud of. So are you still in a, are you still doing anything else in addition to um, this smart technology stuff with Ecos? 
So with my with my role with Ecos is I do a lot of the rehabilitation consulting for our partners. So say as if you're a baseball, so our baseball uh, channels called Pros Knows Best. So Donnie is a professional made is a professional pitcher here in the states. And so if he has any questions about exercises that he can utilize and teach people on his channel, um, I give advice to that. So. And actually, while we're just before we started speaking, I'm actually writing up a free ebook at the moment of how um, coaches can utilize technology to be able to improve the cool down um, of in any sport. Because the interesting thing with a cool down is it came, you know, we know a cool down is important. You know, a lot of people go, yes, you've got to do a cool down. But people go, why? There's so many discrepancies between the importance of cool down. And, you know, the main reason cool down is important is obviously for the cardiovascular reasons of heart rate recovery. But people still think that stretching is an important part of cool down. And you'll say to someone, why is that? And they sort of don't know. And it's because of the lactic acid um, research that was done in the 80s and 90s. So why don't we, when we're fatigued at the end of a training session, utilize the power of neural learning and visualization to improve our technique when we're tired. So when we come into a race, we're subconsciously performing that movement better. Oh, yeah. So it, is that is a cool down something that will be part of this technology? So with the so when I so one of the things I still love doing, and this takes me back to the left brain, right brain thing, is I like to still be creative. So when I create these pros or create these books or videos, it's to help people or help coaches or help users think about different ways they can incorporate uh, different methods into their training. And it may not necessarily be technology-based, but with this cool down part, uh, one of the biggest things when we look at neural learning is if we're priming the neural system when someone is tired, then it allows them to perform with better mastery of a skill. You know, if we look at true mastery, it's where we don't have to think about performing something. There's a book called The Power of Habits and it talks about Michael Phelps. And Michael Phelps obviously physically was very, very, very gifted, but there's a lot of people that are gifted However, the thing that put Michael ahead of everyone else, and Sean can attest to this, is his habits were down to a T. He did everything, and he knew exactly what he was doing at every single part. In his race, I think it was in 2012 Olympics, in the last 50 metres, he lost his goggles, but he knew his stroke that well that he was able to swim with his eyes closed and touch the wall perfectly and still break the world record. (laughs) Yeah. So it's uh, so when you talk about will the cool down be in the technology, pretty much if a, if a partner says to me or a coach says to me, hey, Bryce, I want to know ways where I could improve the cool down so I can teach my clients, then that's my role to be able to have a powwow and consult with them into ways they can do that because we know one of the, the faults with tech, tech companies is they get seen as soulless. You know, they get seen that, oh, you know, it's all about the technology. It takes away that people feel. And so we really want to incorporate that people feel into our company. You know, you can speak to us. You can speak to Sean, who was the, you know, the head of U.S. swimming, you know, and we still want it to be personable because if we're personable, then people will like us and trust us and 
you know, that's the only way that you win. You only win by creating a mutual um, respect between, you know, coaches, users, and a company. So, yeah, it's the, uh, so I'll actually send you along the ebook, and if you want to disseminate it to your users or whoever you want to, feel more than free. That's awesome. Thank you. So let me ask you this. One of the types of things I'm asked the most about is how to run better. It's either Mm -hmm. run better or run faster, whatever it might be. At the end of the day, um, whether people say, can you help improve my running technique? People come to you asking one thing but not necessarily wanting that. So figuring out what it is they actually need is pretty important. Um, For example, I've had a couple of people recently who have wanted to run faster and it's typically been over about the 2k mark um some have been most of them have been for sport one actually was for training for the commandos which is the equal highest or second highest level you can go in the australian army so i think the sas is top and commandos is just below that or maybe on par with it i'm not too sure but it's pretty bloody difficult to um to qualify for that in the fitness test they do you have to run a 3.2k on any type of surface you don't know what the surface is going to be it could be a combination Um, that could be dirt rocky uh, sort of cross country or it could be on road it's in boots it's in full army get up Uh, it's with a eight kilo weight belt on which they call webbing Uh, and also you need to have your rifle so just First of all, running it in boots alone is going to be difficult without having to run it with extra weight on you and, and then carry your, your rifle. But this guy came to me and said, oh, I heard you're a running coach. Can you help improve my running technique? I've been doing the um, I've been doing 12 weeks, I think it was, of the um, what the Australian Army sort of suggests is a generic program, but I haven't seen any improvement. Can you work on my technique? Anyway, we sort of got working together and in... We had to take off a huge amount of time. He was running. He had to run under 16 minutes, and he was running just over 17 minutes. And we only had three and a half weeks left to do it. He, unfortunately, in the end of it all, he um, he was called up to go to Afghanistan. So he didn't end up getting to finish it. Like half a week before his test was supposed to be done, um, he had the option. And because he was so close um, of whether he was going to actually run the qualifying time or not, he didn't want to run it and then not make it and then also miss out on going to Afghanistan so he ended up deciding in the end to to put it off till next year uh, and then we'll do some training in the long run rather than try and jam it into three weeks but the reason why I give all that background is because what it felt like to me I had to get all the sciencey stuff absolutely impeccably correct to be able to take off a minute plus over 3.2k was I everything had to be impeccable and we were running split times to do that is it is that something that the technology can do can you help with running split times around 2k and help with that running stuff or is it more about the technique side of things no look definitely I think if I go so I suppose running is something that's quite close to my to my heart because it's been a I call I call running a sport, um, you know, mainly because it makes me feel good because I'm a runner. Yeah, yeah, oh, um, me too, definitely. Yeah, I love <laughs> running. Yeah, I definitely call it a sport. So when I look at running and when I, I look at the exactly the same fundamentals as what you were just talking about, right, with when it comes to bracing, lunge, squat, et cetera, et cetera, that the reason why a lot of people run poorly is the basis or the, the foundation of their running is walking. And a lot of people will walk and run 
in two totally complete or well, two different ways. And then if you break walking down even further into the aspects that create walking, that people will leak efficiency in different areas. So when we're looking at the technology, if you break down the movement of running into its individual components and you can find where those weaknesses are, improve those weaknesses, and then put them back into the shirt or the pants when they come to market and then look at them running and then, say, compare them height and weight to if they're more of a Usain Bolt or a Maurice Green or a Crystal Attenborough if we want to go to a uh, Northern Territory example that then you can start to show them, hey, because a lot of people, you know, if you verbally talk them through something, they may not necessarily get it. You know, some people you need to put their hands on, some people you need to get them to watch something. Um, The beauty thing is coming forward, haptics will be available where they'll actually get you know, a sound or a shock that'll tell them, you know, where they're moving correctly or not. But if they can visually see how they are running and how their body is moving compared to an elite or even compared to what they do on their best day, then they can prime themselves to run that way every single time. Mm, Yeah, this is so good. Um, So what so what it will do is it will allow you to break down. So it will allow you to improve the breakdown of the movement but also the movement itself. So, okay, let's talk about you've, – you've won me over. You've sold me. Is this something that a trainer out there could go and purchase for their clients or is it something that the clients purchase or how does it all work? So it works both ways. So if you're a if you're a coach and you want to have a channel within the app, what you can do is you can contact um, you can contact us. I'll give you all of our details, and we can walk you through step by step of how to create a channel. That's the marketing. That's putting the video content up. That's learning the back end of the portal. And then what happens is your users can actually pay, and not just your users, but say as if someone's trolling through the app and they see, oh, I really like this channel. I'm going to have a look at one or two of their free modules. And they say, oh, I want to learn from that person. You can pay a monthly subscription to be part of that channel. You can cancel at any time um, as a user. So you might say to someone, they might come to you with a, say, uh, anterior knee pain with their running. And you might say, okay, for the th- next three, it's probably going to take me on average due to the research. It normally takes between eight to 12 weeks to improve anterior knee pain to where you're fully functioning. So what I recommend is you're going to come and see me on this amount of times over that period. And in that time, however, I want you to sign up for my channel. My ch- your, the channel cost might be already automatically rolled into your price as a uh, personal as a personal trainer. Um, and they can, and you can say to them, I want you to liaise with me twice a week on the app and send me the video of you doing A, B, and C. So what you can do is in real time, change their program depending on how they're doing and not just wait until that next session that you see that person. So, but say as if you're someone in Darwin and you play for the Palmerston Reds, I think they're still the Palmerston Reds in baseball, and they just go, I just want to learn how to pitch off a major league pitcher um, or a professional pitcher they can come on the app now, download Pros Know Best and start. If they if there's an MMA fighter in Darwin or someone that's a kickboxer that wants to learn off the four-time world champion Owen King, they can go into our um, fighter training um, module right now and sign up and learn from him online. So it's sort of a user pays system, but if you're a coach, we can actually help you set up your own channel within our platform. Bryce? Unbelievable, and I just want to 
commend you on the person that you are, the balance that you've got in your life between right and left brain. And uh, just I'm not surprised that the opportunities, like to be sitting there that day at that seminar, at that Titleist um, workshop, whichever it was, and you could have easily have stayed home in bed in the hotel, but you went there and you met this guy and, you know, congratulations. No, I, I appreciate it, mate. Thanks. And, it's, you know, I think it's where, you know, you're an entrepreneurial brain. You know, it's one of those things that you make, you really do make your own luck. And, you know, you have to follow the omens that, that come. And if you believe strongly enough in something and you set your goals and you know where you want to be and where you can see things change, I think you've got to follow it, you know, because, again, if it's, it's always worked for me that if it doesn't work out, all you can say is that you tried. And where do you end up? You end up in a position where you were like, if all of this was to fall apart and, you know, luckily enough, touch wood, it won't, that I could always go back to Darwin and work as a successful, as a successful physio in a community that I love. But now I can truly say that I had a go to change how sport and healthcare is performed. And that's, uh, that will always leave a smile on my face. And, you know, when you wake up every morning happy because you're doing what you love, it makes work not seem like work. Yeah. So as we sort of start to wrap this up, where to from here then for you? What's, what's in the pipelines for the next 12 months to five years, do you know? Yeah. So with so as I said, the Kickstarter for our mirror suit um, is November the seventh. So I'll keep you guys up to date with that as well. Um, that we're looking at that launching and going to public Q1 next year. So you'll be able to purchase those. So if you go on the Kickstarter and purchase through the Kickstarter, you'll actually get early access to that. Um, as I said, going forward next year, it's being able to you know maximise our partnerships, being able to build our user base, so our coach base, to the four major sports in obviously the states, but also you know I've been contacting people over here um, in regards to AFL, rugby league, rugby union, to be able to spread this truly worldwide to a worldwide marketplace for learning, and you know being able to see the progress that we can make within our clothing, within our visualization, within our within our binary systems to see if we can truly individualize the way that people learn completely online. That's that's my goal. And, you know, if I look at a completely selfish version for me uh, on the rehabilitation side, it's being able to truly change the way that people improve on a therapeutic basis, you know, being able to go to a true preventative healthcare system where people can take control of their own health and, you know, with skyrocketing medical prices as they are nowadays that, you know, it can provide a bit of relief for families that maybe can't afford the healthcare that they need. So that's uh, that's my long-term vision over the next five years and obviously as part of that staying in the States and, you know, with my girlfriend Jess and her son Asher and, you know, being able to keep living the lifestyle that uh, that I preach. Well, Bryce, I just want to acknowledge you for all the awesome stuff you're doing in terms of technology, but also just helping people live the life that they want to live. So, uh, well done, mate. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. When uh, when you messaged me about it, I was uh, I was indeed grateful because uh, 
you know, as as you said, you know, with our mutual friend Lewis, and when he put in, me in contact you when I moved back to Darwin, it's uh, it's always good to see Darwin boys doing well. And so I uh, I really appreciate what you're doing in your work with the NTIS and with the Mix One Hundred Four. You're doing the Mix One Hundred Four Point Nine. Uh, radio, yeah, stuff, co- but, co-hosting uh, balls, a show called Balls and All. <laughs> yeah, so you know, for me to see that, it was, it's my pleasure to be uh, to be part of this. So thank you. So where can people connect with you? Where's the best place to find out a bit more about Bryce? Yeah, so our website is very simple: ecos i double k o s dot com. Um, that's got our mobile marketplace, uh, all our contact details that sit on there. You can also find me on LinkedIn, um, Bryce Fink, B-R-Y-C-E-F-I-N-C-K. And my email is, and I'll leave all this stuff with you as well, is bfink, so B-F-I-N-C-K at ecos.com. So if you're a coach, if you're a user that's interested in our technology um, or how we can, how you can just improve how you coach or train in general feel more than free to uh, to drop me a line and of course we'll link up all those ways to connect with you in the show notes and also on the website but before we finish off bryce i've got 10 quick questions that i want to ask you you good with that i'm ready i'm ready so they might be questions they might be one word they might be a statement you give me as much or as little as you want and then we'll roll straight on to the next one so the first quick the first one seattle the great outdoors. The internet. Bridging. Acting. Good stories. <laughs> I reckon there's, we can expand on that possibly. <laughs> Number four, the Boston Marathon. Tough. Really, really tough. <laughs> Way tougher than I expected. Ecos. The future. Smart technology. Giving access to people worldwide, first world to third world. Oh, that's good. I like that. Number seven, vision. Vision? Yeah. Vision. Only one of five senses that you can use. Number eight, neural learning. Worthwhile opening up your eyes to different ways of teaching, learning, and efficiency. Having a go. The territory way. (laughs) And the last one, this is one I ask every single person. If you could go back in time or forward in time, which would you choose and why? I would always go back in time. I think going forwards in time, and it's it's mainly to not in my life, but in history, because I would love to see revel like true revolutionaries in their different industries. And if we're looking at the you know the mechanical you know the mechanical revolution and the print revolution, and just seeing what made those people tick, I think the future is one of those things that I want to be surprised by. It's I think if we try and think and plan our future too much i think we can be disappointed sometimes and it's important to set goals for the future but once those goals are set then you've got to live in the present so in the past i think the only way to get to where you want to be is to follow the footsteps of people that have been there so yeah it would be it would be the past for sure is there a specific point in the past or a person you'd like to meet 
Cool. Um, I think that actually being able to go through that Silicon Valley revolution, so going, you know, from the 70s pretty much onward to now, um, it's interesting. The actual computer revolution started in the eighteen, the mid-1800s, which are all the mid, so 1850, 1860, which is a lot of people aren't aware about you know they think of computer and technology as only being the last 50 years but really seeing the boom in silicon valley and you know the bill gates of the world and the steve jobs the steve wozniak's the even the you know the bees the jeff bezos you know that are coming along now with amazon and you know just being able to see what drive and ingenuity and foresight it took for those guys to truly change an industry Wow, Bryce, this conversation has been both eye-opening and inspiring. So thanks for coming on the Mind Your Body podcast. I, this has been one of the best episodes. Thank you very much. Uh, you're more than welcome, mate. Uh, if you ever want to do it again, you know where I am. Oh, we definitely will. We'll, we'll tee that up. Too easy, mate. All right, bye. Bye. Are you frustrated that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you plan to eat, no matter how much you intend to exercise, you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals? Do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down? What if there was something you were missing? What if eating healthy was actually enjoyable? What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.